Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu. It is Wednesday, and we are chatting with Michael Friedman right now, who has had an extraordinary career in the world of music and entertainment. And his book, Exposed, is an unbelievably great book. It's The Lost Negatives and Untold Stories of Michael Friedman. Michael Friedman, welcome to The Lisa Wexer Show. Thank you, Lisa. It's nice to be here. Michael, I'm going to tell you my favorite thing about the book. My favorite thing about the book is not the pictures. It's your stories. Oh, wow. The pictures are amazing, and the pictures are what drew me to open the book. Uh But when I started reading the book, I was mesmerized by your stories. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. So, And I want you to tell us some of them. So... How is it that you came to have this unbelievable front row seat on Janis Joplin, Mick Jagger, countless others in the heyday of 1960s rock and roll in America? Well, it was a, it was, first of all, it was a very special time in the music world. Um, it, my, uh, my story is one of kind of just being in the right place at the right time, I feel like, because I grew up when rock and roll was really just a baby. Um, we The 50s was the time when I first started playing drums. So when were you born? 43. Okay, okay. And as my wife says, was everybody in the music business when you were there born in 1943? Because it seems like just about everybody was. I just want to know, was your father in the service at all? Like, where was your dad? He was, but he, he was... Uh, um, he grew up in Bridgeport, and we were a big Bridgeport family. And then we, I lived in Fairfield when I was uh, very young. And then we moved to Westport when I was in high school. Oh, you went to Staples. So, oh, that's yeah. a big part of the book. Yeah. That's why I thought you still lived in Westport, I think, in my head, oh, because right. I'm reading the book. Sure. And you have all these people, and they all became very well-known in their own fields coming out of Staples. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, Six degrees of separation kind of aspect of this that we discovered when uh, writing the book and trying to figure out 
um, what we were doing, it was we realized what a what a small world it was back then. I mean, your first recording contract is 1959. I, Stuart Soroka, hereby give Mike Friedman the right to use the facilities of my studio. He was charging you even then, under my supervision for two and one half hours for the price of $6.50. Each additional one and one half hour session will cost $8. It was a lot of money back then for us. I can't believe he charged you. What kind of friend is that? It I was, was looking it, at this. It was a business transaction. A business transaction. It, you know, he we was were, a classmate uh, of yours in high school. Yes, yeah. And Did he go on to become school. a successful guy, by the way? He became, a, I think he was like a weatherman on <laughs> oh, some really? major uh, station. He, he stayed in the broadcast uh, world, um, I think, for many, many years. And um, he was the first person that ever had enough equipment, recording equipment, to call it a, a, a recording studio in his house. So we, we made up that little contract. And, uh, and you I still had it after it. all these. That's amazing. Yeah. So you were a drummer. Yeah, of and, sorts. Of sorts. Okay. And Not you could have been one. like any other kid in their garage playing a drum. How is it that you... Tell me about what happened after high school. Well... I had uh, I went to the University of Arizona from uh, after Staples, and in fact, at Staples, um, we had the first rock and roll band in, in Westport called the Schemers, and uh, my bandmate was Barry Tashin, who went on to uh, Boston University and had a band called the Remains, and they were very successful. Um, they they actually were the opening act for the Beatles on the last Beatles tour of America. It's unbelievable and, um, to think that someone you went to high school with was opening for the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, you know that that's kind of the, the 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 funny part about all of this. When we started to uncover, you know, we found when Donna, uh, my wife Donna Vita, found the negatives. It it was like a like a time capsule, and you know, it just unfolded. We couldn't believe that the sequence of events over those years was so interesting because I hadn't even thought about it for many years. Uh, I knew I had lost these negatives, but probably 30 years I had never even thought about them. I just figured they were lost and and there was no... Where were they found? uh, They were in an old box of music business papers, contracts and so forth from when I was with Albert Grossman. Were they in steel wheels? Like, how were the negatives in? They were just in, they were in sleeves. They were just strips of negatives. And there was about 2,000 images um, that I used to just take my camera with me everywhere I went. How do you get them developed nowadays? Are there laboratories that will develop film? Yeah. In fact, I think it's kind of like vinyl where there's a Coming back a a little? For a while, it was very hard to get film developed. Right. I know. I know. So, so I want to go back to this. So um, you're, you're at University of Arizona. You didn't. So <laughs> University of Arizona, and then what happens? Uh, well, I was at Arizona. I had a, a, a band out there that we used to play, um, you know, fraternity parties and things like that on weekends just for fun. But um, a, a friend of mine from Westport, Mike Borchetta, who went on to having a big career in the music business he was he was uh, the first guy that ever brought um, rock and roll shows to Connecticut and and Westport in particular and and Mike and I were friends and we stayed friends when I was out in Arizona at school he was in LA um, working as a a promotion guy for uh, an independent promotion guy for various labels and he would take records around get them played Um, so 
my band uh, and I used to go out on on weekends occasionally to Los Angeles. We would drive out there, and we would make records. We record records, and uh, Mike and I finally started our own little label called Coastline Records, uh, which nothing very substantial ever happened from it, but. Um, but it was kind of my introduction to making real real records. Um, so that's how it started. And he uh, he and I are friends to this day. I mean, he his son, in fact, is the is the person that discovered Taylor Swift. And uh, so his his story is amazing. Only as that, well. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, all comes back to Westport, though. I'm just saying. Yeah. Westport yeah. was, <laughs> it's a yeah. very fertile place for the arts. I think so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I, so that was the beginning uh, for me. And then um, when I graduated from college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, so uh, I took a job in advertising uh, because the music business wasn't something you went into. You either found yourself in it or you didn't. And I it, think that's it, probably still true. To some extent. Yeah, in a way, right? Nobody I think so. studies music business in college. Not really. And even if you did, it doesn't mean you're going to get a job in it. Right, right. So anyway, one thing led to another, and uh, I was not a happy camper in the advertising world. Um, that was another interesting story because the guy who hired me uh, in California was, uh, was uh, he was, uh, his name was H.R. Haldeman. And he was. I saw that. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> so it's. A and you thing. actually had to put in your book. He later became, you know, Nixon's counsel, and he went to jail, yeah. chief of staff, whatever chief he of staff, was, chief yeah. of staff, H.R. Halderman. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. uh, an unlikely madman, by the way, to me, because I'm thinking of John Hamm and Mad Men, and right. I'm not thinking of H.R. Halderman. Well, you know, that's really kind of what it was like. Mm. My, my experience with it is, you know, there were three-hour martini, martini lunches with those guys. I was never at the level because I was just out of college. You know, I was starting out. I only lasted with them for about a year. Michael Friedman, stay with us. We are talking about Exposed, the Lost Negatives and Untold Stories of Michael Friedman, who was on the journey in the 60s and uh, with Janis Joplin and all the greats having a front row seat. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Busted. 
Baton Rouge Waiting for a train And I was feeling near as faded as my jeans Bobby thumbed a diesel down Just before it rained And rode us all the way to New Orleans That's um, one of the greatest songs I think ever written. And it's me and Bobby McGee by none other than Chris Christopherson, who, Chris Christopherson, who wrote the song, but Michael Friedman, our guest in the studio. Uh, you were friends with Janis Joplin. You had a front um, row seat. Yeah, I was very, very fortunate. Um, during that time of my life, I had just been um, a publicist uh, with a, a fellow named John Curland in New York, and we were doing publicity for the Mamas and Papas and the uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders and Glenn Campbell and a whole bunch of. Um, I just spoke with Hollies. Jimmy Webb last week. Did you really? Oh yeah, what oh, a great uh, guy! Yeah, terrific yeah. guy. Yeah, talented. Yeah, we met him at Richfield Playhouse on uh, was it Saturday night, Friday night, Thursday, Thursday night? I don't know. Yeah, it's great. Great to see him. Yeah, it must have been a great show. It was a great show. It was That's fun. Great. Yeah. Uh, in any event, I, um, I, John, the guy that I was working for in publicity, d- uh, died unexpectedly. He was a young guy in his 40s, and uh, suddenly the little company that that he had was finished. You know, it was like one day we were doing this stuff, and the next day we, there was no company. And, and a friend of his uh, was the publicist and PR person for Albert Grossman, who was the premier uh, manager in the music business throughout the whole uh, period of the 60s and 70s. And he managed Bob Dylan and Janis Joplin and Peter, Paul, and Mary and Richie Havens. Um, Anyway, the list goes on. It was amazing. And you worked for Albert Grossman. Yeah, and Myra called me after John died and said, uh, um, Albert's interested in... um, having someone join him in New York because he's spending more time at his other house up in Woodstock, would I be interested in talking to him? So, of course, I was, and I was only 25 at the time with pretty limited experience in the music business. Um, But it's 1968, and it's the apex of American rock and roll in this kind of rock and roll. Right. Absolutely. So I met with Albert, and he um, surprisingly offered me this job. I had been managing um, when I was working with uh, with John. We were managing a group called Naz, which was uh, Todd Rundgren. Hello, so, it's me. Yeah, that was the first record I ever produced. Really, you yeah. produced that record? Yeah, uh, the, that one has the, lasted, uh, Michael. Yeah, that was. It's probably his biggest hit. It's the uh, only one I know him for. Yeah, I know he had other hits, but that's the one that I know him for. Right. Well, anyway, he, I brought him with me to, to Albert Grossman. So suddenly, you know, I had, from being out of work um, one day, the next week I was working next to Albert Grossman. Uh, and, and how did you working. get to know Janis Joplin herself as a human? Well, Janis was one of our uh, artists that we, that we managed. And I happened, it, it was at a time in her career that where it was, she was very busy. 
she had um, um, just uh, been. What was the album? Her first album is. Uh, I don't know the names uh, of her albums. Gosh, I, don't know. I only know her really it, for some of her gigantic hits, like Me and Bobby McGee, Freedom's Just Another Word for Nothing Left to Lose. What a great yeah, line. Yeah. What an unbelievable line. And uh, the guitar and everything else that was on that record. Did you help produce that record? No, no. I didn't do that. I wasn't much of a producer. I sort of produced Hello, It's Me by default. Okay. Because the, the uh, producer from the record company wasn't too interested in the project and he was kind of reading the trades while they were trying to make a record and I ended up having been the only other person in the room with any recording experience. I sort of ended up producing it. That's a pretty cool story. And was Janis Joplin as a person the, was she erratic, volatile, explosive the way she appeared to be on stage? Yeah, as I always uh, say when people ask me what she was like, and that's probably the most common question that I get, um, Janice was very complicated as a person, but she was she was uh, everything that you th- just described and and uh, and more. And the more part was the part that I loved so much about her. She was she was very sensitive. She was smart. She was funny. She was sweet. And she was also tough as hell. She could, you know, she, there was no, she was uh, everything that she appeared to be on stage, that kind of tough chick and, you know, great singer. Great singer. And um, just just so much fun to be around. And it was uh, one of the artists that I spent the more time with than, uh, than others because it was that time in her career. And um, we were... It was during the Cosmic Blues uh, stage of her career when I uh, when I met her, and that was the interim band between Big Brother and the Holding Company and the Full Tilt Tig, uh, Boogie Band, and um, and so I was helping to put together the Full Tilt Boogie Band for her when she decided she wanted to make a change. So we spent a fair amount of time together. And in the book, you have October fifth, nineteen seventy. We're chatting with Michael Friedman. Where you got the call from Albert that she had passed. Yeah. Drug overdose. Yeah. Right? How yeah. old was she? 27. That same age? Same. She was. Same. That 27 curse? That yep. curse of being 27? The 27 club. It's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. Yeah. It was a shock to us um, because she had been clean for at least four months that we knew about, and she had uh, found a guy that she wanted to marry and really uh, so it was really a happy time in her life and she uh, was finishing up her album um, and uh, with this new band and uh, she was out in California and one of some old friends showed up at her friend being in quotes of course yes some friend yeah and uh, she just, I think because she hadn't been doing anything for, for that quite a while. That is very common. You know, the, the body is clean and then the heart stops because yeah, it can't take I it. I think that's probably what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have another friend whose son that happened to. He had been clean just a few months, but he was clean. And then he experimented and he was also 27. He died. Really? Yeah. Well, drugs, yeah. you know, I didn't go into too much in the book about drugs because I think it's a whole subject that, you you can't just you know talk about in passing it 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 was the devil and uh, I would say it is the devil yeah it's not I, gone no it's not gone by any means but uh, you know we lost a lot of good people back in those days and uh, it was 
part of the culture, unfortunately, um, not heroin necessarily in and of itself, although that was the deadliest of all of the drugs, but just the whole drug culture was so destructive. And you know, Michael Friedman, as I was reading the book, you 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 were apart from that. You you didn't like drugs. Well, I mean, I you know, I smoked grass occasionally. And occasionally, but that, not yeah. enough to get no, sucked I, into I, that. I, I never really uh, enjoyed it that much, fortunately. And also, uh, you have to remember that I was on the business side of the business. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't uh, performing. I wasn't playing drums anymore, and I wasn't, I wasn't an artist. I was a manager. And um, One of the cool things about your shots, which you admit, is that you were a very non-threatening presence. You weren't seen as a photographer. You weren't seen as a right. paparazzi. Exactly. So people could relax around you, or you could get them at unguarded moments. So you right. got a front row seat. Basically, you were like an amateur fun guy in the inner circle taking pictures for yourself. That's exactly right. I, uh, these were my friends. These were your friends. Uh, Was so, Mick Jagger a friend, too? No. Um, a lot of pictures of him in the book. That's because, uh, again, just serendipity. Uh, Janice asked me if I would take her to the to the concert she wanted to, to go because Tina Turner was uh, on the bill and she was... Uh, Tina looks so lovely Tina. here. Oh, she looks so young yeah, and pretty so young. and lovely. Yeah. yeah, she does. So I said, sure. I, wanna, I wanted to see the Stones as well. So we, <clears throat> we had all-access passes, um, which allowed me to take pictures virtually anywhere in the garden. And it was probably the greatest rock and roll show ever. I, I think uh, I, the Madison Square Garden. Yeah, 1969. It was the. Um, it was just beyond belief. It was 20,000 people. The stage was about the same size as a YMCA stage, so it was it was very close. And the pictures that I took of the Stones that night were I was virtually standing next to them on stage. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and uh, I mean, nowadays you could never get up that close. Um, but because I was there with Janice, you know, I had uh, I could move around and nobody was giving me a hard time. No one gave you a hard time. No, no. Michael Friedman, the book is so wonderful. It's called Exposed. It's, um, you know, it could present as a coffee table book because it's so beautifully produced. But I would urge you to read it. I would urge you who are listening to me today, if you're at all enthralled as a as somebody who just wants to get a close-up personal view of this rock and roll era from a homegrown point of view, it's exposed. Michael Friedman, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Lisa. It's pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 